It was a wet evening in Paris. On the slate roofs of the big boulevards and on the small mansards of the Latin Quarter, the rain kept up a ceaseless patter. Outside the Crillon and the George Sank, the doormen were whistling taxis out of the darkness, then running with umbrellas to hold over the fur-clad guests as they climbed in. The huge open space of the Place de la Concorde was glimmering black and silver in the downpour. In Sarcelle, on the northern outskirts of the city, Yusuf Hashim was sheltered by the walkway above him. This was not the gracious arch of the Pont Neuf where lovers huddled to keep dry, but a long cantilevered piece of concrete from which cheap doors with many bolts opened into grimy three-room appartements. It overlooked a busy section of the noisy N1 and was attached to an 18-story tower block. Christened L'Arc en Ciel, the rainbow, the block was viewed with apprehension. After six years of fighting the French in Algeria, Youssef Hashim had fled to Paris and found a place in Lac en Ciel. People said that only those born in the forbidding tower could walk its streets without glancing round, but Hashim feared nobody. He stepped out into the rain, looking back and forth beneath the sodium light. His face was a greyish-brown, with a large curved nose jutting out between black brows. He tapped the back pocket of his blue ouvrier's trousers, where, wrapped in a polythene bag, he carried 25,000 new francs. It was the largest amount he had ever had to deal with, and even a man of his experience was right to be apprehensive. Ducking into the shadows, he glanced down at his watch. He never knew who he was looking for because it was never the same man twice. That was part of the excellence of the scheme, the cutout at each end, the endless supply of new runners. Hashim tried to keep it equally secure when he shipped the goods on. He insisted on different locations and asked for fresh contacts, but it wasn't always possible. Precautions cost money, and although Hashim's buyers were desperate, they knew the street value of what they dealt in. No one in the chain made enough money to be able to act in absolute safety. No one, that is, except some all-powerful controller thousands of miles away from the stench of the stairwell where Hashim was now standing. He wrapped his lips around a galoise and drew it out. As he fired his disposable lighter, a voice spoke in the darkness. Hashim leapt back into the shadow. His hand went to the side pocket of his trousers, where he felt the knife that had been his constant companion since his childhood days in the slums of Algiers. A short figure in an army greatcoat came into the light. The hat he wore looked like an old kepi of the Foreign Legion. Hashim couldn't see the face, the man spoke in English, in a rasping voice. In Flanders fields, he said, the puppies blow. Hashim repeated the syllables he had learned by sound alone, with no idea of what they meant. Between the crosses, row on row. Combia. Even that one word showed that the dealer was not French. Vingt-cinq mille. The runner laid down a brown canvas bag on the bottom step of the stairs and stood back. From the back pocket of his blue trousers, Hashim took out the polythene-wrapped money, then stepped back. The man bent down and took the money. He didn't pause to count it, merely stowed the package inside his coat. Then he in turn stood back and waited for Hashim to move. Hashim bent down to the step and lifted the bag. He shook it up and down and felt the contents move with a satisfying heft of packed dry powder. The business was concluded. Reluctant to move first, Hashim faced the other man. Something wasn't right. 
In two strides, the man was on him, his arm across Hashim's throat. Then the wall smashed into his face, flattening the curved nose into a formless pulp. Hashim felt himself thrown face down on the concrete floor and heard the click of a safety catch being released as a gun barrel pressed behind his ear. With his free hand, the man pulled Hashim's arms behind his back and handcuffed them together. Next, he was on his back, and the man dragged him to the foot of the stairwell, where he propped him up. From his coat pocket, he drew out a wooden wedge about four inches at its deepest. He smacked it into Hashim's mouth with the heel of his hand, then hammered it home with the stock of his gun, to the sound of breaking teeth. From his coat pocket, he took out a large pair of pliers. He leaned over Hashim, and his yellowish face became visible. This, he said in his bad French, is what we do to people who talk. He thrust the pliers into Hashim's mouth and clamped them on his tongue.